Hello and welcome to Out and About in Malovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Barfer. As part of my job as a member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm excited to be talking to John McMillan, the CEO of the Eric Little Community. Well, we're sitting in a fairly old church building, which is run as a charity now, um, and my name is Eric Little. Now, for most of us, that will mean chariots of fire, but who is Eric Little? Well, um, it's lovely to welcome you back to the Eric Little community, Jeremy, and I'm delighted to, to meet with you today. Well, Eric Little was um, a, a, a multifaceted individual. Um, uh, so, to some, he's well known for his sporting career and his sporting success. He represented, uh, he played rugby for Scotland uh, seven times, uh, would have played more, um, but for other, other issues and challenges. Um, but probably most people who might recall Eric, um, it may well be linked to the film The Chariots of Fire. Um, and he was a, a, an elite, world-class sprinter. Um, when, in the lead-up to the 1924 Olympics, he was one of the top two or three favourites to win the 100 metres. Uh, he would also go on to win a bronze medal in the 200 metres. But he was probably well-known because he was a committed Christian. And um, it just so happened that the Olympic heats for the 100 metres were on a Sunday. So he took a principled decision that he wasn't going to run in those heats. So And, and by so doing, um, ruled him out of, if not a certain gold medal, but certainly a, an Olympic medal. He then switched to the 400 metres and... Uh, uh, speaking to elite sportsmen and women, they tell me that a switch from 100 to 400 uh, is quite a challenge, and he won that in a world record Olympic uh, record time. Uh, so he's known uh, for a, for his gold medal win. After that, and for the bulk of the rest of his life, he um, was a missionary in, in China and ultimately uh, passed away uh, in China. Okay, this is not a sporting centre, so why why is this building called the Eric Little Community? Well, uh, as, as you and your, your listeners will be aware, I'm sure, um, uh, Eric Little um, and his family um, spent a bit of time in, in Scotland and, uh, and in Edinburgh as well. And... Um, when the, our charity was established about 43 years ago, uh, Jeremy, um, one of the very first chairs of our board was aware of Eric Liddell's Edinburgh history and very much local history to Morningside and Brunsfield um, because he, um, he used to teach Bible classes in the church across the road from us at um, Morningside United Church. Um, and uh, made contact with uh, Eric's daughters and the family, the little family, and, and because of that had asked their permission to name uh, our charity, so a care charity, um, um, after their father, Eric Liddell. So hence, uh, we became the Eric Liddell Centre and more recently have become the Eric Liddell Community. 
Okay, so you chose this shirt just over 40 years old. But tell us a wee bit about the history. I mean, how was it started? What did it do? And how has that evolved over the last number of decades? Well, um, it's, it's been quite quite a journey, about, uh, and I've got to say um, I've only been here for the last six years, uh, but I am aware uh, of, of aspects of that history and delighted to share it with you. So this was North Morningside's Congregational Church, uh, Church of Scotland, and in the late 70s, the... Um, the, the numbers of the, the church and congregation were uh, diminishing and uh, the decision was made to close the church. So um, what happened was uh, probably members of the original congregation working with the three other churches where, where of course, we're, we're, we're based at Holy Corner. There's a, a church at every corner of the crossroads here. So all those churches and other community representatives worked together to ensure that this beautiful building had a future that was rooted and responsive to the needs of local people. So um, eventually um, uh, the body that became the Era Liddell community bought the church uh, from the Church of Scotland. Um, a charity was set up. Um, and um, over a period of years, there was some significant fundraising. Millions of pounds were raised by local people and their trustees and former trustees um, that allowed us to refurbish it uh, as a, an excellent facility to provide um, care for vulnerable people in Edinburgh, um, but also a meeting point for uh, organisations and young people, not so young people, uh, uh, to, to, to gather, uh, meet uh, and have a, a community facility that they can call their own. So um, we are now, as a charity, focused, we're a, a dementia specialist charity. We work, do a lot of work with carers. Um, we run a befriending service. Um, uh, uh, and also a, a music therapy provision, uh, uh, an excellent specialist dementia daycare programme and wider support for people living with dementia, i.e. those with the, the, with the diagnosis, but also those who look after, care for and love them, so families and carers. So, so in the last 40 odd years, um, uh, our charity has really developed. Initially, we were very much a Morningside and Brunsfield charity, but we're now providing support to people throughout the, the city of Edinburgh. So, take a, a, an average week. What, who would be in and out of the building? Well, on an average week, um, many, many hundreds of people are, are in and out uh, of here because... Uh, uh, and I would say for any of your listeners who maybe haven't uh, seen us or visitors, I would encourage them to pop in. We've got a fantastic cafe, a great chef, uh, and be able to come in and spend some time and see what we see what we do and see the see the facility. Uh, but in a, in a general week, um, we have, as I said, a specialist dementia daycare service that. Uh, uh, welcomes about four, up to 14 people a day, so 70 people a week. Over a year, about 3,500 places are available. Um, so, and that's, that's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, an area that we 
um, it's not generally open to the public because we want to keep it quite uh, confidential for, for our clients. Uh, but we then uh, offer a whole range of wider programmes for people who have dementia and are uh, carers. So there's a whole range of gatherings where we use the arts, music, art, drama uh, to engage, uh, to encourage people to have fun, to make connections, social connections, um, uh, to, to, to actually make sure that um, we can support people to avoid loneliness and isolation. That's one of our key drivers, uh, Jeremy. Beyond that, we also host um, uh, up to about nine charities who have their head offices here. So that's great because um, uh, they have their offices here that helps us, it helps them. But then when they're having in events and gatherings, they'll generally use here. So that adds to the, the client group that we're working with. And we also have quite a few meeting areas and uh, larger rooms that the local community can come in for a um, for recreational, for Pilates, for adult education, we Duke of Edinburgh ward groups meet here. So we're really a vibrant uh, community hub uh, that's here for for the local community and wider within within Edinburgh. I'm just sitting here trying to do my maths. It was never a strong point. You must be coming up to the hundredth anniversary of our little winning that gold medal. So it's never been time, obviously, for him and his family, but it's never been time for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, and my view, Jeremy, is that if a charity named after Eric Little can't do something uh, to celebrate and highlight um, the centenary of his uh, amazing Olympic success, but actually more important than that, that highlight uh, his, his legacy, who he was, what he stood for, um, and his values. Uh, who else could do that? Um, so quite a few years ago, um, uh, I, 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 I did then and I do now, I've got the pleasure of going into local schools in Edinburgh. And whenever I, I do that, I talk about the charity and what we do. But whenever I talk about the charity, you've got to talk about Eric Liddell. And... Um, when uh, when we when we talk about Eric Little to young people um, and in schools, the general response that I got was Eric who, and if uh, and if we think about it, if you're below the age of forty five or forty, high probability that you haven't seen the Chariots of Fire, which is quite quite a few decades old now. So I thought, well, if our um, if young people don't really know about Eric Little maybe we can do something to highlight who he was and what he stood for. So we're now working with an incredible range of um, partners, um, agencies and organisations and individuals, some of them who have got a direct link to Eric Liddell, and they're all working with us in what we're now titled the Eric Liddell 100, which is the, the, the project title um, of everything that we're going to do in the lead up to 2024 for his centenary and beyond. So we're working with Scottish Rugby, we're working with um, uh, the City of Edinburgh Council, 
um, were working with Edinburgh University, Scottish Athletics, uh, UK Athletics, Team GB, um, a, a whole range of educational experts, local universities, in uh, Edinburgh Uni, Napier Uni, Harriet Watt, um, and others. So what's happened in the last couple of years is there's been a coming together of like-minded people and individuals who actually want to do something um, to make sure that Eric Liddell doesn't become a Scottish and UK icon. Okay, and I think I'm only saying um, his daughters are still alive? Yes, um, we're, we're delighted and that we're in contact with uh, Eric Liddell's daughters and he had three daughters. Um, Eric's wife um, was um, of Canadian extraction so um, when um, they left China and Eric stayed on in China to continue his missionary work, uh, they went back to um, uh, Eric's wife's home, which is in Toronto. So we're, we're in contact with three of them. They're um, um, doing well, um, getting a wee bit older now. They'll be in their 80s, but delighted that we're in contact with Patricia um, and her two sisters. And also Eric's niece is also one of our charity patrons. Um, and she she lives uh, in Edinburgh. So very strong links to the family. And I mentioned that... Um, one of the family members is a patron. Uh, we're also delighted that um, our Eric Liddell 100 um, uh, patron um, was confirmed last year, um, and that is Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal, who is also a former Olympian, mm. uh, the patron of Scottish mm. rugby, and the Chancellor of uh, Edinburgh University. So there's some real synergies there, and. Uh, um, delighted to be working with Her Royal Highness um, and sharing some of her thoughts and um, passion about our work to make sure that Eric uh, is becomes a, a, a live figure for younger generations. So how does one come up a CEO of this community? Tell us a little bit about John, how did you end up here? Uh, well, how, how long have you got, Jeremy? I'll, I'll, I'll try and give you the, the, the shorter version. Um, <clears throat> well, um, my, uh, my initial uh, passion and interest is, uh, when I was uh, at school and leaving school um, uh, was music. Um, come from quite... Uh, 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 my, my family were all very interested in music. Um, but I, I, I studied community development um, and uh, um, my passion linked to that was uh, supporting local people, serving local people, encouraging uh, and working with local communities to improve their locality, their local, uh, local villages and organisations and communities. Um, I worked for a while in local government um, and uh, really enjoyed that in the, in the west of Scotland. Um, and after quite a few years of doing that, I, I actually wanted to get closer again to seeing the positive impact um, uh, that, that good service and good community support and good care work can make in local communities. So I thought, well, the third sector and working for a charity would be a, a, an exciting career option and uh, applied for and was lucky enough to be offered the job as Chief Executive here um, just over six years ago. 
you came through then <coughs> the whole COVID experience. Mm. COVID is still here, it's not a distant memory. You mentioned earlier you, you're kind of working more with people who have got isolation, social isolation. Do you think that, do you think long term that would be the biggest negative of COVID? Obviously, we've had lots of sad people dying. Yes. But, looking, but do you think mental health, loneliness, isolation could actually longer term be, would be worse? I would absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And what what we found as a dementia specialist care charity uh, who are involved in, in wider care and support initiatives as well. But if you look at people living with dementia, and first and foremost, those uh, who, who have had that diagnosis, um, what we and others, a whole range of excellent charities in Edinburgh and throughout the country, um, provide some excellent services to people with, living with dementia. And when you think of an individual who has those challenges, um, what, what makes their circumstances and what makes their day-to-day -day life a wee bit better is actually social connections. Um, I mean, there's been a whole range of... Um, uh, specialists who are better qualified than I in terms of dementia that have commented, Jeremy, on that if, if you can keep um, uh, mind uh, and body active, um, it certainly doesn't stop the progression of dementia, but it certainly does um, uh, encourage individuals to, uh, to keep their um, uh, cognitive uh, abilities um, uh, and if, if it's like a muscle, if you don't if you don't use it, uh, 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 it will fade away in some ways. So we we in our provision we focus on bringing people together. Yes, providing personal and uh, excellent care, but also um, making sure that people get the opportunity to learn, to be active, to have fun, to communicate. Uh, and, and just living lives and using these basic skills and opportunities, it does certainly help. So, for example, we've had uh, uh, a, a, a group of uh, individuals who have uh, who are living with dementia, um, who were enjoying a conversational German class. We had a, a 103-year-old client who downloaded her first um, app uh, in one of our... Uh, 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 iPads and, and, and daycare and so the notion that um, uh, a diagnosis of any serious illness stops life or stops learning or stops uh, a level of um, enjoyment and uh, enrichment as far as we're concerned in the area little community that does, we're not going to give in to that. So we provide this vibrant programme of support. And yes, when the building had to close, these individuals and their families and all the other people that we support weren't able to get the, those range of social connections and interactions that the, the, they were able to. So over the lockdown, Jeremy, and when, when we were in contact with families and when we welcomed clients back, um, I would say that these individuals... Um, were the most and worst affected by the the, the lockdown bec because it really, like everybody else, it limited them to their own house and very, very um, small um, connections or groupings. 
uh, and when you are living with dementia uh, and you don't have those opportunities to talk to others to um, to get yourself involved in healthy and well-being activities um, we noticed a massive uh, regression of people's cognitive abilities but the good news was that at the Edit Widow community I'm so lucky that we've got a fantastic team of committed capable and uh, passionate staff uh, so 12 hours after the uh, the building closed here um, uh, my staff were out in the streets um, uh, not going into people's homes um, but we were able to bring information, bring food. Um, uh, we, we started uh, new programmes, a lunch delivery programme for vulnerable people. Um, we were, some of our dementia clients had no families, no connections. So we were, we would do their shopping. We would uh, take their washing in here. It's close to, the, close to the public, but we would still do a bit of work, uh, take it back to them, collect their prescriptions and give them the basic lifelines that they needed. Um, but, and we did, we went, before the lockdown, I wouldn't say we were a particularly digital savvy, uh, or digitally um, savvy charity, rather, uh, but we certainly adapted and began to use online platforms, uh, be it Zoom or Teams, so we had a whole range of connections with all of our clients and actually um, managed to reach out to more people um, than we had expected. So... Um, for, for our charity, um, that was, I think, the most significant challenge that we as an organisation had failed because, um, uh, and again, your, your listeners, um, some of them will know this, we've got this huge building. We managed to raise funds from the use of that building that we then reinvest into our charitable purposes. So when the building was closed during lockdown, uh, we were losing building-based income of roughly 15000 a month. So calculate that over the period of the lockdown. Not quite, but it's almost a quarter of a million pounds. That would close most businesses and charities, and many, many of these organisations have done, but we were able, we worked hard, we were committed, we, were, we adapted, and actually now we, I would say that we're a more resilient, stronger, better... Um, and able organisation who have learned from the challenges, and yes, we needed uh, we needed all the uh, <coughs> the support from government uh, at a UK level, uh, a Scottish level, local government in Edinburgh, and indeed all the many funders uh, who helped us through those difficult times. And without them, it would it could have been a disastrous story. Our time's almost gone. Magic wand. Within a few words, what would make a difference? What would make a difference? Um, I think, to me, what would make a difference is um, if um, we could have a, <clears throat> a better understanding in society of <clears throat> the challenges that vulnerable people, um, uh, the challenges that people living with dementia, the challenges that carers are facing, um, uh, and yes, there's a lot of financial challenges there. Uh, if, if, if I had a magic wand, it would be um, a, a, something that would help increase the recognition and understanding and support in kind. It's not always about money. Support in kind 
uh, and yes, support uh, financially to respond to the people that really need our support and uh, um, uh, uh, acro- across the board. Um, I suppose other parts of uh, the magic wand for me would be um, hopefully um, being able to see the Eric Liddell community operating for at least another 40 plus years and hopefully continuing to develop and serve the people that we're here for, the people of Edinburgh and and its communities. Thank you. It was great to hear from John. It's been interesting to hear about the journey the community has made over the years. We will put a link in the website in the show notes and you can go to it if you want more information. Thank you for listening to Out and About in the Lovians and I look forward to catching you next time.